Hello and welcome to Shu's Fresh Ideas podcast. I'm Shu Das, a startup and technology writer based out of Melbourne, Australia. Since the beginning of 2016, I have been documenting my journey and learnings within the startup universe of Australia and beyond on my blog Shu's Green Patch. As I covered stories in the emerging fields of technology and social enterprise, I had the privilege of connecting with incredible founders who are using their creative ingenuity to come up with innovations that touch every area of our lives, from the ways we travel or entertain ourselves to the ways we do business. Shoes Fresh Ideas podcast is an attempt to bring those conversations online to the broader audience. helping to uncover the human stories of trials and tribulations successes and failures that entrepreneurs face in bringing their new and innovative ideas to the marketplace for anyone interested in entrepreneurship or looking to start their own business i hope that these podcast conversations will offer you realistic perspectives on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and connect you with inspirational founders and influencers within the startup ecosystem so keep listening in this episode yan shmeikal director of startup grind china and asia pacific joins me from shenzhen a bustling metropolis which has been described as china's silicon valley Originally from the Czech Republic, Jan is now helping build a connected ecosystem of entrepreneurs in China and Asia Pacific through the global startup grind network. Jan collaborates with the biggest tech companies in China, regularly interviews the most promising founders both from Asia and the West, and is very passionate about educating and connecting founders from Asia to the rest of the globe. So Jan Hello and welcome to Shoes Fresh Ideas podcast. I really appreciate your time and thanks for joining me all the way from Shenzhen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much Shu. I really appreciate this opportunity and thank you very much for the introduction. It was it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no problems. Thank you. We're starting on a pretty good note. Um, yes, yes. So you um you're from the Czech Republic. So tell yes. us a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up, where you grew up, and how you found your way to China. Yeah, so it's actually a very interesting story, and I will keep it short because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get boring here. But uh, so I grew up actually in a very, very small city or village, you could say, uh, around two thousand people live in that in that village. So it's pretty, pretty small, and uh, I, you know. We are basically like when you look at where we live, when you look at the apartment or the house where we live, we are just the last house, and afterwards there is just the forest, you know. So, so it's like real village and countryside, and you know we are we are just waking up with uh, with the cows and stuff like that. So, so it's amazing. I really love it. But you know, I really I kind of got inspired by seeing a lot of people traveling and exploring the world, and you know, being in a big cities, and so I wanted to experience that life as well, and so. You know, when uh, when I was applying for high school, I chose high school that was in a bigger city. It wasn't a huge city in Czech Republic, but uh, 
it was in a bigger city because I just wanted to explore more. And honestly, I still didn't know what I want to do, but I just wanted to explore more. And then from that city after high school, I moved to Prague, which is the capital city of Czech Republic. And I think that's where the fun happens or that's where the opportunities are for, for everybody, not only for students, but for businesses and everybody, because again, it's a capital city and it's the most vibrant city in the Czech Republic. And so I moved there. I uh, studied economics and finance. I was very active during, during those years because, you know, I was always that kind of guy that was eager to do much more than just studying. So I was part of different organizations and, and I also worked for, for different companies doing internships. And, and then I got an opportunity to work for Rocket Internet, which is a, which is a big company. I think, I'm not sure about people in Australia, I'm not sure if they know it, but in Southeast Asia and Germany, uh, Germany where the company comes from, it's pretty well known. Uh, you know, some people like it, some people hate it. It depends what kind of people uh, you talk to because uh, they kind of copy products from, let's say, the United States or from the developed markets, and then they execute them in a, in a less developed market. So they're kind of like playing this kind of arbitrage. Uh, but it was a great opportunity for me because I met incredible people. I learned a lot because we basically started uh, two ventures for them in Czech Republic and Slovakia, and I was the first hire in the company. So I basically learned everything from the very beginning. And since then, I knew that I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to try something different. I just don't want to be working in a big corporation. I started the first company when I was finishing my bachelor degree at the university in Czech Republic in Prague. And this company was actually related to China because uh, we were importing some stuff from China, uh, be it uh, mobile phones and accessories and some, some other kind of electronics uh, stuff. And we were selling it in Czech Republic and Slovakia. And uh, so we built this e-shop with my uh, classmate or with my friend from the university. And uh, so this was my kind of first entrepreneurial experience in the sense that I would be the founder of the company or the co-founder of the company. And uh, so that's actually what brought me to China because uh, after one year or one year and a half, uh, we were doing this business. Uh, you know, it was doing quite well. It wasn't a huge, huge multi-million dollar business, but it was, a, it was a good enough business that you know, we, could make, we could make some money. And also I started thinking about how we can grow the business even more. And that's why I decided to move to China. And so I was looking for a way, so I was looking for a good way to move to China. The easiest way for me at that point was through university because I, was, I just finished my bachelor. And so I was deciding what to do for a master's. And uh, because I was enrolled at the university in Czech Republic, I kind of started started exploring if they have some sort of uh, relationship with uh, universities in China, if they can send me there for six months or for one year. And that actually happened. So first, uh, uh, the, first the, the plan at the beginning was that I'm going to come here for one year and then I'm going to go back because it was just exchange program at the university. But uh, I kind of fell in love with this place because it's just, uh, you know, it's so dynamic and it was growing. I was meeting incredible people. And so I decided to stay. And, and now I've been here two and a half years and running Startup Grind, as you said, which is another story. So are you still studying at university in China? So yeah, uh, I'm just finishing. So I finished all of my classes and I just need to submit the thesis, which I kind of postponed for six months because I just couldn't handle it with all of the things that are happening in my life right now. So I should be I should be graduating this year and uh, you know, I'm studying at the Peking University HSBC Business School, which is a business branch, let's say business school branch of Peking University. It's located in Shenzhen and it's international school. So everything is taught in uh, English 
and uh, it's uh, there is a lot of there is a lot of expats, so there is a lot of foreign students, international students. And it's one of the uh, top universities in the world as well, isn't it? Well, so Peking University is right. So Peking University is one of the top universities, of course, in China. It's number one or number two in China, and this is a business school branch of Peking University. So I don't know the ranking for this university. I would have to look it up. I don't know, but uh, definitely Peking University is going to rank pretty high uh, in a global rankings. Cool. So best of luck with your education and your thesis. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I have to finish it because otherwise my parents would be mad at me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate to that. <laughs> so uh, coming to your experiences as an expat in yes. China. So when you first came to China, what were your experiences and were there any particular challenges and that you had to overcome? And where yeah. There, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So when I first came to China, again, it was because of the university. So I remember when I first landed in China, the first experience, very first experience I had is that uh, a taxi driver wanted to charge us like 10 times more than, it, than uh, we were supposed to pay. And uh, fortunately, fortunately, I was with a friend that was in China or that has been in China before. So, uh, so we kind of figured the way around it and, and we didn't pay, we didn't, we didn't pay so much money. So it was kind of my first experience from China. But so I came here at the end of, uh, 2014 and, uh, you know, what I did, because, you know, I think it applies to every single city or every single country. It's not only China. Of course, China might be a little bit more difficult when you think about the language barrier and the cultural barrier and all these things. But I think the number one thing that you will face, no matter where you're going to move, is that you don't know anybody, right? Because uh, I've never, I, I had never, I had never, I had never been here uh, at that point. And uh, I really, I literally didn't know anybody because China wasn't so popular uh, at that point in Czech Republic for, you know, other students or for people in general, just, you know, just, just crazy people at that point would be doing something with China, you know, uh, I would say. And I didn't know so many people from those circles. So I didn't know anybody. I didn't come here with any introductions or maybe I, I was introduced to one, one friend in Hong Kong, but that was it. And so I just had to meet as many people as possible because that's, you know, I'm a people person. I like to connect people and I like to network with people and kind of just getting to know people uh, anywhere, uh, anywhere I go or everywhere I go. Uh, so, so I just, I just went out there and I was just meeting people. I was trying to find the groups or the meetups that were relevant to what I wanted to do. So in terms of the business that I was running at that point, it was e-commerce and it was also the, you know, the sourcing, uh, in, at Hua Chan Bay and stuff like that. So it was, you know, at the beginning it was of course crazy. It was tough because, uh, I had to manage school and basically the beginnings of being, being in China as a foreigner and at the same time I was like you know still working for my company basically right like I wanted to grow my company that was in Czech Republic and we had to communicate with my partner and all of these things the also the the time difference you know right for the first time in my life I kind of I kind of had this uh, like six seven hour uh, time difference uh, and I had to communicate with my partner basically almost every single day so so these were the struggles at the beginning I would say sure and obviously now you feel, um, you know, much more settled. And yes. uh, so how, how, do, how did you find the local regulations and the business climate as, um, as compared to Czech Republic and rest of Europe? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. And, you know, honestly, uh, it doesn't apply so much to me, right? Because when you, when you think about our business, we actually didn't have a company in China. 
uh, we didn't need a company in China because we had a we had a company in Czech Republic and we were basically sending money to the supplier who had a Hong Kong bank account and we just figure out the way how we can do it because we had a bank in the Czech Republic that actually supported this kind of payment. So we were kind of okay, you know, we didn't have to go through these things, the regulation and stuff because we actually didn't do anything in China, you know, on paper when you, when you, when you look at that. So I think this question is not really uh, something that I can really relate to from my own experience that I would have to go through these things, that I would have to go through hiring people in China. I haven't done it yet. But uh, definitely, you know, uh, it changed a lot. So when I first came, when I first came to China, I heard people saying that it's almost impossible, you know, to, to get different licenses. And, you know, it's very hard to set up a company and you need this Chinese partner to create a JV and stuff like that. And, you know, then after a couple of months and a couple of years, you, you saw that it's slowly changing. So, you know, government was introducing different kind of regulations and it was much more uh, it was easier for uh, foreigners to set up companies. And now at this point, you can set up a Wufi, which is like wholly foreign owned entity uh, or enterprise, uh, which is something that you as a foreigner, you come to China, you don't need a Chinese partner anymore, but you can set up a company and you can start you know, doing some business, let's say, even though we could talk about it much more because I, th I still think it doesn't solve the issue that you will face in China as a foreigner. But uh, so it's much easier, you know, it, it takes, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks, and it doesn't cost so much money. So it definitely changed, you know, along the way. And it's changing basically every single month in terms of regulations and in terms of what you can do, cannot do, what's easier, what's tougher. So uh, that's China, I would say. <laughs> sure. And so um, are you seeing a bigger influx of expats and people coming into Shenzhen as well? Absolutely. As okay. As, and how Absolutely. is life in Shenzhen? And how is it changing? So for me, for me personally, Shenzhen is one of the most livable and the best cities in China and one of the, one of the top cities in the world right now, right? Because, you know, and I will tell you why. It's not because, you know, there is, there is a lot of discussions, right? There is a lot of discussions about China and, uh, you know, why China is good, why China is bad and stuff like that. Again, like, I don't want to get into this because, uh, you know, everybody has a different experience. Everybody is from a different industry. And so everybody will face different problems and will see different things, right? But for me personally, again, uh, when I look at it from the position that I have right now at Startup Grind or when we are doing this kind of community, we are trying to connect people from the rest of the world with China and the other way around, is thanks to being here and having this network and having this... Uh, uh, experience that I have here, I can meet incredible people from all around the world because Shenzhen is getting now so much attention from the outside world. And it's not only about hardware, but it's in general about uh, investing into companies, startups, AI, VR, AR, and all of these things. So interesting people from Silicon Valley and around the world, they're coming to Shenzhen. And because we have built this kind of community and this kind of ecosystem here, people kind of tend to get to know us very, very soon. And so I can meet very incredible people that I wouldn't be able to meet if I were sitting in Prague or if I were sitting at home. So, so this is one thing why I think Shenzhen is one of the most exciting cities in the world for me right now. Also, most livable city. So when you look at the stats and, you know, you see a lot of people talking about pollution and, you know, this kind of thing in China. And of course, it's happening. I'm not saying it's not. When you go to Beijing, sometimes, you know, it's, it's really, really bad. But, uh, and there are definitely different places. But, uh, you know, in Shenzhen, most of the time, it's pretty good. You know, I can go for a run every morning, you know, and I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to worry about anything. I, I, 
like I think I have I have worn mask like the briefing mask like only once or twice for the two and a half years that I've been here and it's because just during the winter sometimes it can get it can get it can get uh, let's say pretty bad but it's still compared to other places it's not not bad at all but I'm just like kind of health conscious person so so like yeah these are the things that I really really appreciate about Shenzhen and and that's why I think it's it's one of the greatest cities or one of the greatest places to be for me at least right now sure and what about the cost of living because sometimes when you okay <laughs> say Hong Kong people say the cost of living is very high so does Shenzhen have a particular advantage? So uh, it's definitely expensive. Uh, again, I'm going to compare it to Prague, right? Where I studied or where I lived for some time. So compared to Prague, Shenzhen is definitely much more expensive, especially the cost of living when we look at the real estate and when we look at the apartments and stuff like that. Uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to normal life, let's say eating and, you know, some, some fun, whatever, I think... I think you can definitely find a way to live in Shenzhen and not spend too much money. You know, if you are gonna, if you are not gonna eat in the best restaurants and if you are not gonna go out every single night or you know, if you are not gonna be partying too much, you know, so you can find a way to 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 live a good life, normal life, and you don't have to spend too much money because there are places that are good. There are there are not just street food, but you know, they are quite affordable. Uh, so, you know, I think the biggest part of of, of like cost of living in Shenzhen and when you compare it to other places is definitely the real estate and the real estate is uh, is uh, I think honestly now when I compare it or when we when you, if you tell me the price of the apartment or of the rent in Melbourne then I think Shenzhen is still is still gonna be cheaper you know I, I believe so because uh, you know it's it's definitely you know compared to San Francisco or compared to like London or places like that it's definitely cheaper or when I hear people saying how much they pay in different places. It's cheaper, depending, again, where you want to live and how fancy you want to live. But yeah, you know, just, just long story short, I would say uh, you can find a way to live in Shenzhen. You don't have to spend too much money or you can find a way that you're going to spend a lot of money, but I think it's everywhere in the world. So I think there is nothing special about it. Everybody talks about the real estate. Everybody talks about the bubble of the real estate and that it's like, Right, uh, it's growing so fast. It's true, it's growing, but again, you can find places. It sounds like a growing city, you know, like yes, San Francisco 20 years ago. You would you say so? I was just talking to my friend from San Francisco, or he spent a lot of time in San Francisco and LA, and, and he was laughing at me when I told him how much I pay for an apartment here and how much he had to pay when he was in San Francisco. So he was just laughing at me that, you know, it's basically nothing, you know? So, so again, like, I think it depends where you want to live. If you want to live in a city center, you're going to pay much more. If you want to, if you, if you don't mind that you're going to commute maybe 20, 30 minutes uh, uh, by public transport, you know, you can find places that are affordable, pretty nice. And still, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to find a place to live for a startup person here. That's what I would say. <laughs> That's good. That's good to know. Um, yeah. So talking about startups, so you are the director of Startup Grind in Shenzhen. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. And actually China and APEC. <laughs> yes. yes, I did introduce you as the director of uh, Startup Grind China and APEC. So tell us a bit about Startup Grind for people who don't know much about the organization. And okay. And what is your mission in China? What are you trying to achieve? Okay. 
thank you very much for that question. I think we are doing some incredible stuff in China. But uh, so Startup Grind, what we, what we do, uh, and I think people in Australia should know us pretty well because we have uh, really, really good directors and regional director in Australia, in Melbourne. And, you know, we have people in Sydney. Now we are going to open Perth very soon, hopefully. Uh, so, so we have some presence there. And we might actually have a conference in, in Melbourne later this year. So, so hopefully, but, but anyways, I don't want to sell too much. I, I just want to tell you, so what we do, we are the largest uh, entrepreneur community in the world. Uh, so, or at least one of the largest, I would say, because we have people in 250 cities right now where we host regular events and regular, uh, regular networking uh, activities, let's say, or how you call it. And, and so we try to educate, inspire, and connect entrepreneurs. And how we do it? We do it through these events. So we, at the beginning, in the introduction, you mentioned that, you know, we interview founders and entrepreneurs and CEOs and these kind of guys. So that's true. We do it in those cities. We do it on a regular basis, usually monthly basis. And uh, then we have some sort of networking session afterwards. We connect people. We try to, you know, make sure that they can meet those people they are trying to meet. Uh, the people that can help them with their business or they can find a mentor or they can find an investor. Sometimes that happens at our events. So, so this is what we do. And apart from the events, we also create a lot of content on our medium publication. And uh, we also have a lot of YouTube videos from our conferences around the world. So, so we really try to educate, inspire and connect. That's the grow or that's the, that's the core. That's the core of our community. And um, so what's Startup Grind doing in China from your perspective? So, yeah, that's a good question. And so we actually didn't have much presence here in China before I joined because nobody was really managing it. And China is a tough market. China is a tough market for everybody. Uh, it's the same for the community company like Startup Grind or it's the same for any other company that tries to enter the market. Many of them failed and many of them are trying but struggling. And of course, you know, it's not... It's not easy either, uh, either for us, you know. So, so we, we face some challenges, of course. And, you know, what we are doing, we are basically doing the same thing. We are now investing into learning about the market. So uh, we just do events. We just do community. And uh, we try to find the right people to work with in different cities. Currently, we have 10 cities that host events uh, on a regular basis. And uh, we are going to open our 11th city very soon. And my goal is to open at least five more cities in the upcoming months so that we can, you know, I, I believe once we have 15 cities and once we have people in those cities that are pretty active, then uh, we, can, we can say that we, we have reached that critical mass and we can start doing something more interesting afterwards, like, you know, working with different companies and maybe finding some partners and doing more stuff, maybe doing even a conference in China. So, so that's something what I'm looking at. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, so far we are just focusing on finding the right people in different cities that are excited about the mission that we have, which is to connect and, you know, to educate every single entrepreneur on planet. So uh, I'm trying to find those people, work with them, and make sure that uh, they're happy with us and that they can provide value to the community. Sure. Um, so you were saying that you do um, these regular monthly uh, events where you interview yes. some of the biggest uh, founders and innovators in China and APEC. Um, yes. Uh, who are some of the big names that you have interviewed and some of the highlights from your events? Ooh, okay, uh, that's a good question. So some of the big names. Uh, so recently, uh, you know, we, 
we interviewed, let me, let me think because I wanna, I wanna make sure that, uh, that I have the, I, I will cherry pick some of those, some of the, some of the good guys. Uh, so yeah, so for example, it's very recent. So in Beijing, I think actually yesterday, we did an event with uh, Innovate, which is uh, uh, one, of the, one of the oldest and one of the best kind of uh, like a incubator accelerator uh, community or company in Beijing. They basically started this kind of startup, startup and entrepreneurial movement uh, in Beijing by, you know, hosting events or by opening a co-working space and that it turned into the whole street of incubators and co-working spaces. So we did event with them. So that was, that was fun. Uh, also we hosted, we hosted founders or we hosted people from, uh, companies like, for example, you have, uh, you have probably heard about this bike sharing, uh, bubble, let's say, or this bike sharing trend in China. So we hosted a couple of, a uh, couple of executives from, those top companies or those companies that are now uh, in the spotlight in China. So we did that. We also hosted a couple of Silicon Valley uh, people. So we hosted people from pirate startups that were running China, or we hosted uh, uh, one of my friends that is, uh, that is a founder of Lean Startup Machine. And he's now based between uh, San Francisco and Shanghai because he's trying to build up his China business as well. So, so we have hosted him on, uh, you know, at a at couple of our events around China. So, so yeah, it has been, it has been a journey. And, uh, you know, in, in Shenzhen alone, uh, since, the, since the very beginning, which is a couple of years ago, uh, we hosted already 36 uh, founders and entrepreneurs. So we do it uh, quite regularly and we really try to keep up with, uh, with the current trends. So it's amazing. It's an incredible experience. Yeah, I can imagine it being so incredible. So, um, so are you regularly traveling around China and APEC as you grow the mission of Startup Grind? So I travel a little bit, but you know, we are still a startup. We are still a startup. Startup Grind is a startup. We only have 20, 23, if I'm not mistaken, 23 or 25 people that are full-time with Startup Grind. And so, you know, our budget or stuff like that, we are not a corporation. So I cannot really afford to travel every single week and to go to every single city where we have, uh, where we have events. So, so I, you know, I love traveling and I love connecting people one-on-one uh, -on -one and face-to-face. -face. So I, even, if, uh, even if I have a chance to, to fly or if somebody will pay, you know, so for example, we will get invited uh, because we are doing really amazing events, for example, in Chengdu and, and there are some partners that are involved with the events. So sometimes they even pay, you know, for me to come there or sometimes, you know, that we have some budget for hosting the event because we're inviting really, really good speakers. So sometimes, you know, I get there and sometimes I pay myself and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, I, you know, I travel a little bit. I think I travel every month. I try to be somewhere at, at, at least like a different city. Sometimes it's, you know, that I travel two times. Sometimes it's that I don't travel at all. So, you know, I, I do try, uh, I do try, I do try to travel as much as I can, but of course, you know, the time is limited and also the resources are limited. So, so I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm just flying around Asia and, you know, talking to people. Unfortunately, that's not the case yet. <laughs> sure. But I'm sure you're doing the very best that you can with your resources. And well, I try, I try, like, of course, you know, we are, we are still a startup and I really like this kind of lean startup methodology. So if I can get a, get away, or if I can, if I can find a way to either get invited or, you know, get my flight sponsored or get my, you know, accommodation sponsored, I do that. Right. So, so I, I actually like it because I think everybody should do that, especially if they are just getting started with the startup, just sure. leveraging the resources and le leveraging the network and leveraging the value that you're bringing to the, to the ecosystem and, and to get more for yourself. So, 
I'm trying to do that, but I should be doing a better job, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing well. Um, so, um, so from your travels and just from the work that you have done with Startup Grind, what is your yeah. understanding of the startup uh, ecosystem in China? Is it, where does it stand as compared to more matured ecosystems like in, say, Israel or, you know, let's uh, say like Silicon Valley, but okay. in some parts of Eastern Europe as well, where there is a startup ecosystem, how, where does yeah. So, you know, I don't want to get into these comparisons because, again, I don't have the data at hand and I don't have, you know, all the resources. So, you know, I don't want to get really into detail, but like I can definitely, again, I can share my experience and what I see day to day. And I have visited a couple of places, so, so I, can, I can try to elaborate. But, uh, you know, definitely, it, again, it depends how you look at China, what you consider startup ecosystem, what you consider developed and underdeveloped ecosystem. It really depends, right? Because China is an ecosystem in itself. So you need to have a different measures because, you know, when you look at China, there is, of course, a lot of things going on, but most of the things might still be happening only in Chinese or that might be uh, only, only focused on Chinese audience. And so if you don't uh, have that knowledge of, of language at, at the level that, you know, you would be able to just go for a conference or go for a business meeting and just like fluently speak with them and understand everything about AI and, you know, about robotics and whatever is happening right now, whatever is hot is, uh, right now. So then it's kind of hard for you to get into the ecosystem. So, so then, you know, you might have a different understanding of the ecosystem uh, if you only attend English events or if you only focus on the international scene in China, which is quite limited still, which I agree with. And, uh, you know, so, so these are the things that you need to keep in mind. Um, from my perspective, uh, again, it's growing. It's definitely, you know, or it's probably not as developed in general as all the other ecosystems because, again, like, uh, everybody says that Silicon Valley is the best ecosystem in the world because it's so open, you know, you can come, you can succeed if you're good enough. And of course, you know, I don't know, maybe it's getting more, more, more difficult to get a visa now. I don't know. I, again, like, I don't know the details, but I just hear people saying that and, and talking about it. But, but Silicon Valley is what it is because it has access to talent. It has access to, uh, to capital and it's so open that, you know, there is just the diversity is, is mind blowing. Right. Uh, which is not true in China because China, again, the, the language is different. Uh, the language is quite hard to, to learn. So it takes years to kind of get to the level that you are able to even attend meetings or to be able to pitch in Chinese. So, so that's, that's one of the limitations. The culture is different. So it takes time to build relationships with, uh, with the best people in the industry. Uh, so, you know, again, like that's, that's, that's the limitation that you're going to face. And that's why I would say the ecosystem is still not as developed because the information sharing and, and really the connectivity is, is quite complicated and you need, always need to have a partner and you always need to have some sort of insider to help you navigate in that ecosystem. So from, from this perspective, it definitely needs more, you know, like be more open maybe, or have more international communities like Slatterbrine or like other other, other people that are going to try to bridge the gap and it's happening. It's kind of growing right now. We have a lot of international incubators and, and co-working spaces and, and companies and communities coming in, trying to bridge that gap and try to leverage that to build the business around it. So it's happening, but it will definitely take some more time. So, um, so you talked about 
language. So what's your um, uh, understanding or what's your level of uh, proficiency in Chinese and how important yeah. that is? Can you elaborate a bit more on that? Yes, so it should definitely be better, honestly. Uh, so I do speak Chinese a little bit, so I can live here, you know, I can kind of take care of myself, you know, I can handle everything that is related to living in China. So that's not a problem. I can even have a decent or I can have a simple conversation about what we do at Startup Grind. I can pitch Startup Grind in Chinese and I can pitch myself. So like I, I have this basic knowledge, but you know, I am not able to have a business meeting and negotiation, you know, in, in Chinese yet. And so, so that's, that's definitely something that limits, limits the potential for me and limits the growth for me because I just, some of the, some of the brightest people or some of the best founders in China uh, usually are not really comfortable with uh, speaking English and sometimes they don't even speak English at all. So, so that's why it's kind of difficult. Um, but I think it depends, right? So there, there, are two, there are two things. So I will tell you, it's very important. It's very important if you really want to understand the culture as anything, right? If you, if you want to do business in the US or if you want to do business in Australia, you probably need to speak English, right? That's, that's just how it is. So, uh, so, you know, it's very important to kind of like get into the culture to understand the people, to make those connections, to build those relationships, to build the trust. It's really good to speak at least some sort of Chinese. Uh, also, it's not enough. The fact that you speak Chinese, and I see it all the time, the fact that you speak Chinese doesn't guarantee that you're going to succeed or that you're going to be able to make uh, those connections or build those relationships or build that company. You still need to have a Chinese partner. I think that's like 100% thing. If you want to go big or if you want to build like sustainable and, and, and normal, let's say normally functioning business, you just have to have a Chinese partner to help you navigate because it changes so fast. It's so dynamic. And even the regulation, the government, and all these things that you mentioned at the beginning, it matters. And you will probably never be able to navigate if you don't have like, like native, native knowledge of Chinese. Because I have friends that have been here for eight, 10 years. Their Chinese is pretty good, honestly. They page to investors in Chinese. They speak fluently. They, you know, even married Chinese, Chinese women. And uh, still, they tell me that it's very hard for them to keep up, to read everything in Chinese, to keep up with the changes and all of these things. So, so yeah, you know, it's uh, definitely important, but it's something that doesn't guarantee success. Sure. Um, so what are the other, some of the other resources that new first-time entrepreneurs uh, who are trying to get started in Asia, in China and Asia, they can like take advantage of what, what are the other things apart from the knowledge of language and having a local partner to start a company? So um, it really depends, right? So uh, do you have a specific question? Like, do you have a specific example where I can, that I can kind of relate to because uh, what do you mean by resources or like, do you mean that when, when you, when you come for, when you come to China for the first time, let's say you are Australian, uh, Australian business owner, you want to, you want to create, or you want to build your company here, or you want to build your presence in China. Uh, are you asking for some like communities or asking for some support or what is it exactly? Yeah. I mean, um, those kinds of resources, which can help you get started. So you were talking about incubators and accelerator programs. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, so a while ago. So yeah, you could talk about that, I guess. Yeah, okay. So, so definitely, you know, it's, uh, again, it's, it's very similar to all the other places. So I think the easiest way you can, you can get some support 
is uh, you're going to find like a consul or you're going to find like a representative of your country in China and you're going to ask them questions. You're going to ask them to help you with some connections because these people, what they do, uh, they are here in China and I meet a lot of them. I meet a lot of people from, from Australia. I meet a lot of people from France that are doing this kind of thing. They are trying to you know, promote Australia and they're working on this relationship and stuff like that. So these people are paid to build that relationship, to promote you as a country, to promote you as a startup nation, whatever. And so you can use their resources because they know a lot of people from the ecosystem. They know all of these community builders like myself, or they know, uh, you know, business owners, they can even connect you with companies. So this is the easiest way because they speak your language. They are basically paid to do this and uh, they have been here for many years usually, you know, so that's, that's the easiest kind of resource that you can tap into, you know, and uh, the second, you know, these incubators, accelerators, they usually have their communities. They host a lot of events. So let's say you're a hardware startup, right? So, so there is a company uh, or the accelerator called Hux in Shenzhen, which is kind of like the, the most famous one. I think a lot of people in Australia are going to know because they have some sort of uh, collaborations in Australia with different incubators as well. And so, uh, you know, they host events. And, uh, you know, so if you are here and if you want to learn something, uh, about them or about what they do or if you want to meet the people from their community you just go to the event and you know you connect and and you you see what's uh what's uh what's happening you know on their front and and how you can leverage that so so again it's i think it's all about people it's all about people so find the ways how you can connect with people how you can find the right people that can actually help you and uh, how you can contribute to the community because then if you contribute to the community first then people will be more likely to help you back you know let's say so so, so that would be that would be the number one number one advice. Absolutely. So, in terms of connecting with the community as well as your events, you do a lot of online content. You do a lot of vlogs. You are hosting podcasts and so forth. Yes. Um, can you tell a little bit about um, you know how is the content space in China? Um, yeah, it's interesting actually. It's interesting what's going on in China right now. So. Uh, I guess you have heard about it or people in Australia that are going to be listening to this have heard about it. So, you know, there is a, there is a big push of, uh, or big push. I, I, I don't know if I can call it big push, but definitely a big trend in terms of live streaming and the new media, you know? So for example, podcasting, when you talk to Chinese people about podcasting, it's not so big because they are just not used to it. It's kind of changing now because there are different apps. There are different educational apps that are trying to provide really, really good content and push people to kind of educate themselves. And, you know, people even spend a lot of money on it. It's not that it would be free as everywhere else in the world, like iTunes podcast, but like some people or some companies here in China that are very successful, they, they charge money for the quality content because in China, uh, people want to people, people see that it's a high quality. And one of the indicators that it's high quality for them is that you need to pay or, you know, that, that, uh, uh, that's kind of like the, uh, like the sign that, yes, it should be good if I have to pay for it. So, so that's one of, the, one of the things I was, I was very surprised or I was very, uh, it was very interesting to learn that. Uh, also, uh, live streaming, right? So there is a lot, of, uh, a lot of things going on. There is a lot of things going on in terms of the live streaming. So uh, I just recently uh, saw some statistics that compared to TV and compared to radio, uh, like it's actually, it's actually one of the best platforms, like last or maybe number one platform when it comes to monetization of your content through live streaming, because you have these KOLs and influencers and 
we have a lot of companies working with them and you know a lot of platforms like WeChat uh, or sorry WeChat uh, Tencent investing into different platforms that are kind of live dedicated to live streaming and uh, you know people are making a lot of money there's a lot of KOLs influencers that kind of got big because uh, they're just doing some funny or crazy things on on uh, on the internet so so this is kind of what's happening in China you see people running around with selfie sticks and just uh, just kind of recording what they do live, you know, and, and they're getting money for that. So, so yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> and uh, is startup related content big as well? The kind of content that you produce, the podcast? Um, yes, live? but it needs to be, it needs to be very localized. It needs to be very localized. So uh, the English content, not at all, I would say. Uh, you know, big names, like when you look at it, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Like one of my, one of my role models or like one of the, one of the people that I really, really follow and admire and why I actually started the podcast uh, was because of him, uh, because he kind of talked about it and he inspired me to do that. Uh, these guys are not known here because the, in general, level of English and level of access to Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram is very limited, even though people know VPNs and people use VPNs, of course, but, but still it's very limited. So it needs to be very localized. So there is an app called The Dao. Uh, which is uh, kind of like a podcasting app and also they sell books and you know they kind of do some some educational programs and uh, they started like two years ago I guess but now they are really they're really gaining traction they're getting a lot of traction right now and it's exactly that I told you so so they curate the content they make it super easy to understand they make it super relevant for people and people have to pay let's say 200 RMB I don't know how much how much it is in in, uh, in Australian dollars, but 200 RMB uh, for uh, a year, let's say, which is not too much money, but it's still some money. And uh, they get these podcasts from these curated curated people or the people they choose, and they get it every day as a notification. They can listen to it for five ten minutes, and and this kind of content is getting a lot of traction, and people are willing to pay for that, you know, because they like it. But it needs to be in Chinese and it needs to be very relevant. Sure. So essentially, like the like a Chinese version of Spotify for podcasts. Yeah, kind of like that. Like the app is amazing. Like I, I just learned about that app a couple of months ago, and it's really kind of combination of iTunes and Audible and all of these things together. Because you can buy a book, you can listen to a book, or you can you know subscribe to this person who is like number one guy when it comes to AI in China and you can listen to his thoughts every day for five minutes when he commutes. So it's not super heavy. It's not a lot of content that you would have to listen to a podcast that is two hours to three hours, like Tim Ferriss, for example, sometimes does these kind of podcasts. But you can get the knowledge very fast and from somebody whom you trust, who is an authority or who is an influencer in that certain area because that's what people want. So, um, you know, just from your um, understanding of the startup scene, for people coming from Western countries, and um, what are the biggest opportunities to contribute to the Chinese ecosystem and the economy? Where are the big startup opportunities? Ooh. I don't really like this question. You know, people ask a lot, but <laughs> it's tricky. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, but, uh, you know... Um, when you look at it from the Australia point of view, so there is a, definitely a lot of opportunities when it comes to food and when it comes to e-commerce right now, because a uh, couple, couple weeks or a couple months ago, Alibaba signed a deal with uh, Australia government, you know, to kind of support the trade 
and to make sure that Chinese people have access to this because, you know, there is like a big, big demand for high quality food and high quality thing in general. So, yeah. uh, so that's, that's one of the opportunities that is relevant for your listeners probably because I see a lot of people, you know, kind of trying to enter this market, you know, when it comes to high quality products, because there has been a lot of, there has been a lot of kind of issues or frauds in China when it comes to food and, you know, you, you might have heard about the milk, pow uh, milk yeah. powder uh, kind of thing. And so that's why the, the, the imports from Australia just skyrocketed, you know, because of that, because uh, people just want to have access to the high quality food. They don't want to just consume the, the things that might end up, you know, being the same or might end up being really, really harmful for them and for their kids. So, so that's, that's definitely one of the things that I would look at, you know, especially if you're in Australia. Um, then uh, in general, there is kind of like a push for, uh, for these like high tech things, right? So uh, China, uh, you see that all the time that they're kind of like, they can, they're, um, sorry, they're working on these uh, subsidies or they're offering these subsidies and these grants to, to high-tech startups to come and move to China and to develop their companies and businesses here because they want to create that kind of entrepreneurial ecosystem. Of course, they want to learn. Sometimes they just want to acquire that interest in technology. So, you know, they, there is a hunger for talent in China. There's a really, really big big demand for talent and international talent because you might have heard about these things that Hugo, uh, Hugo Barra, uh, he left Xiaomi and he went back to, to Silicon Valley to work for Facebook and, and then, you know, Baidu lost this, uh, um, you know, this, this, this master of, uh, or the godfather of AI, you know, and, and so for Chinese companies, it's kind of hard to retain talent. So there is a big push for that. So, yeah, you know, like if, uh, if you're a startup and, you know, you're maybe looking for some easy money or, you know, you don't mind to move your company somewhere else, then you might explore this kind of opportunities, you know, especially if you have talented team or if you have, you know, some technology that, uh, that is really, really valuable for, for China when it comes to AI or when it comes to VR, AR, you know, whatever is, is hot right now. So, so definitely that might be another opportunity, you know. Sure. That's, um, that sounds quite interesting. And um, so in terms of like the expat communities in places like Shenzhen and Shanghai, do you see them like quite actively participating in the startup scene and yes. being successful? Yeah, you know, in Shanghai, for example, I think Shanghai is one of the best places for Australian entrepreneurs because, uh, you know, uh, I think I met a lot of people from, uh, I don't know how you call the organization in Australia that is kind of like doing this kind of relationship building in terms of business and stuff like that. I don't know if it's Business Australia or how it's called. So I met a lot of people there being pretty active and trying to connect the dots. I, I even have friends uh, from a company which is called VX Note, which is an accelerator and co-working space in Shanghai. And they even have some sort of, uh, some sort of, uh, deal or collaboration with uh, Australia when it comes to, you know, helping Australian startups to land or soft land in China. So there is a lot of these things happening. And, and yeah, China is one of the most international uh, ecosystems in China, right? Because uh, there is a lot of expats. Uh, historically, there was a lot of expats. And so the international community is very well developed in Shanghai. So, so again, like it really depends what we are doing and, uh, you know, if, uh, if I could kind of go in a direction to kind of say which city is the best for you or whatever, uh, it really depends, right? So real quick, uh, Shenzhen, everybody knows Shenzhen because of hardware, 
Everybody knows Shenzhen because it's one of the most livable cities in China. And everybody knows Shenzhen because of Xiaomi and because of DJI uh, and because of Tencent, right? So, so you have definitely like the ecosystem is, is kind of well developed, but, but it's still, it still needs to be, it needs to be kind of internationalized, I would say. We need more international communities and we need more people kind of working together to achieve that. Uh, Beijing is a capital city. So there is a lot of, uh, a lot of VC capital. There is a lot of talent because you have Peking University and Tsinghua University, the biggest campuses there. And so a lot of people do startups in Beijing because they have access to these, uh, to these things. And also a lot, a lot of, or maybe all of the unicorns in China, they are based in Beijing because there is a government. So they need to be close to the government, especially if they are like Didi or like mobile, because they are kind of like, it's very important for them to be in touch with the government on a daily basis to figure out like how their startup is actually evolving and changing what's going on in China. So, so that's why they need to be there. And Shanghai, uh, Shanghai is, uh, is the ecosystem that, again, is very internationalized. There is a lot of finance. Historically, there was a lot of finance going on and stuff like that. Hangzhou, another ecosystem. There is Alibaba, so e-commerce. And, and now uh, there is a lot of Finnish people as well because uh, kind of like the slush movement, the, the, one of the biggest European conferences, they kind of started uh, from, from Hangzhou because there was, uh, or I don't know if they started from Hangzhou, but there is a lot of people from, from their community uh, in Hangzhou. And even though they have people everywhere in China, but, but uh, there is a lot of active Finnish people in in uh, in Hangzhou, so now it's kind of evolving into gaming gaming kind of ecosystem. So it's very interesting. Yeah, sounds really really exciting. Um, time to yeah. visit China and explore the Chinese ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. I would recommend it to everybody. You know what I say every time somebody asks me about China and what do you think and do you think that I should come or do you think I should move and and live in China? I I always say that when it comes to business. Uh, when it comes to traveling, of course, you should visit. Like everybody should visit because it's just experience that, you know, nobody will take from you, take away from you. And, you know, you should, you should see not only Shenzhen and Beijing, but you should see a countryside or you should see some village or, you know, you should go to Yangshu and this, like just to see it. It's, it's just different world. Uh, when it comes to business, um, China is not for everybody. You know, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that when China is hot and everybody talks about China, that you should just pack your stuff and move to China. You should leave everybody uh, or everything as it is and just, you know, move here and, and try to do business here. You really need to have it as a part of your long-term strategy. Uh, and it, doesn't, it, it does have to make sense for your business and for your product or for your service, whatever you're offering, because it takes time, as I said. I've been here two and a half years and I'm still at the beginning. Now, actually, I think I'm just... Yeah, I'm just, I'm just getting started right now because I go to the level that I know some people, uh, we have created something. So people kind of started, started to trust us and trust me. So now it's actually just getting started. So it takes time, you know? And, uh, so, uh, you know, but definitely you should know what's going on here. You should know what's going on here. You should read, you should talk to people. You should listen to these podcasts and you should listen to other people, of course, as well, not only to me, because I'm not sure if I'm the most interesting person, but, <laughs> but definitely you should be exploring because we can learn a lot from China, from the speed and uh, from, the, from the e-commerce kind of side, because you know, there is WeChats and Tencent and Alibaba's and these kind of companies that you should definitely keep an eye on because they are just changing industries and, and they might very well change the industry that you are in right now. So, uh, so before I go, I'm going to ask you two things. So one, okay. um, where do you see yourself in the long term in the next five to <laughs> ten years? I mean, I know it's kind of a really cliche <laughs> question. And 
other one is like what keeps you going you do you have a your hand in like lots of different things what keeps you going and what keeps you motivated every day okay so the first one right yeah it's really hard especially these days when there is a million opportunities every single day and uh you know you can jump on a plane and and end up in san francisco tomorrow so so it's basically impossible to tell where I'm gonna be in five or 10 years. Like, I know, uh, I know for sure that I kind of decided, I decided a couple, couple years ago, or maybe not years, but I decided a while ago that I am really excited about Asia, not only China, but Asia in general, because the numbers just uh, uh, tell it all. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a super exciting market in general, you know, not just one, but all of them together combined. It's just, incredible what's going on how it's changing how it's fast how it's developing uh how how people are driven to succeed so so i definitely want to have my focus on this region it doesn't matter if i'm going to be in czech republic or if i'm going to be in australia or if i'm going to be living in san francisco uh, my angle is definitely going to be asia uh, that's where i want to have my connections that's why i want to have uh, kind of uh, my business let's say or that's what i want to be uh, most of the time so, so that's something that I know for sure. What I'm going to be doing, I honestly don't know because, again, I love what I do now. I love Startup Grind. I love the mission behind the company. I love the team. I love the opportunities that uh, Startup Grind has brought me. So, so definitely, I want to continue doing that in the short term and, uh, you know, connecting China and Asia with the rest of the world, you know, in the meantime. So, so that's, something, that's something what I can say. Uh, the second thing what keeps me going. So, you know, it's, it's funny, but like, you know, it's hard, it's hard. You know, I'm very, very energetic and like, I love connecting with people and like, I love talking to people and kind of like having these discussions and, and that's what I'm super passionate about. That's why I do what I do. Actually, I, you know, as I said, I'm a people person, so I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I, if I weren't, but uh, you know, I get energy from other people. I get, I get, uh, I get very easily excited when I see, you know, somebody young trying to succeed or, you know, yesterday I had a conversation with, uh, with a very young, very young girl from Singapore. We met briefly at one conference and, uh, you know, she is just so genuine. She wants to help other people. She wants to give back to the community. She is working so hard. You know, she got internship at, at Google just now and she was asking a couple of questions because she wasn't sure, you know, and so I, I had this conversation and it's something that brings the energy, you know, like that's something where I get the energy from because I just love supporting other people and talking to other people and connecting with people that are ambitious and, uh, you know, want to, want to, I don't, you know, I'm going to say change the world. I know that's even more cliche than that, that the question that you, that you asked in the first place, but, but I just, I just love that, you know, I, I, I love this and uh, I love what you're doing. And so that would be the answer, you know, but it's, it's hard. It's hard from time to time. You, you hit the down kind of period, you know, you're in a different country. Sometimes you just have a bad day. And even though you speak Chinese, you, you, you kind of feel that you speak still the same kind of way, but nobody can understand you suddenly, you know, because whatever, maybe you are in the not, not a good mood and, and you just don't, you know, you just don't let other people to understand you. So, so sometimes it can be hard. And of course, you know, I have these moments from time to time, but again, I, I'm just overall excited because it's something that I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity uh, that I got. And, and so that kind of keeps me going, I would say. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, wish you all the best. Thank you very much for <laughs> making the time. Um, Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And 
I want to let other people uh, at least feel or know about what's going on here and, you know, come and hit me up if you are here, if you need any support, just hit me up on Twitter or hit me up somewhere and I'm very happy to help if I will be able to. Sure, absolutely. Hi there, this is Shu again, thanking you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed the content, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes to keep up to date on future episodes. If you'd like to check out my regular blog articles, please visit shoesgreenpatch.com. Also, you can find me at shoesgreenpatch on Twitter or Instagram or like the Shoes Green Patch Facebook page. I look forward to connecting with you and hearing your feedback. Until next time, goodbye.